welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. Uh, you're hearing this episode like a month late due to the uh, hosting facility, Podomatic. I don't know. Things have been all screwed up. You haven't been able to listen to the last 10 episodes and blah, blah, blah. So you'll be hearing this somehow. And on top of that, I don't know if this will be able to continue here. They have uh, tripled the hosting fees, gone from $99 a year to $299.98, whatever. And that's uh, not going to come out of my pocket. Fortunately, up till this point, I've had enough people kick in. The little bit of sponsorship I've had, some people... uh, on PayPal, kicking in. So, uh, been able to uh, bring this to you, but um, we'll see what happens. I'm going to put, I'll put a link in the show notes for this little episode, and uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, there'll be something. I'm, I'm, I'll try to uh, at least post, keep going, and post the files someplace where you can download them. Uh, they won't be on iTunes, but uh, you should still be able to hear them. And with that note, we have an extra special episode that has nothing to do with adventure racing. Um, when I was in Baja, I saw this guy. He's from the Black Hills. huh? He's riding his motorcycle solo for 806 miles during the race. That sounds like an adventure. And it was. So anyway, I... Uh, Got together with Garrett right after the first of the year, and um, we traded stories about Baja, and he talks about um, what it takes to uh, yeah ride a motorcycle for 30-plus hours. So I think you will enjoy it. I enjoyed talking to him, and um, go fast, take chances, and hey, if you want to donate, cool. So... Uh, here you go. Thanks for listening. Bye. Can you hear me? Hey, Garrett. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Welcome to uh, my little thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. I appreciate you having me. Uh, can you? So I got wireless earbuds in, so can you hear me okay then? It does. It sounds good. Good. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you have the uh, distinction of being... The closest physical interview that I've done where I haven't been sitting next to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. You, know, you know, I'm like, I got talked to people in Australia, New Zealand, and sure. England, and wherever, and it's like, hey, here's the guy that's like 30 minutes down the road. Yeah, yeah, right down the road from me, exactly. So Cool. Um, okay, so here's the first thing. Oh, first thing, I got to let the dog out of the room. I knew she wouldn't stay long She likes me but not that well Um, So you are not an Iron Man In the way that uh, most of my audience Would know Iron Man as You don't do the swimming and the biking and the running So what is it that you do? No, I've never been much of a swimmer or runner Um but I uh, definitely respect uh, you guys that do that. Uh, to me, it's uh, pretty, pretty impressive what you guys, some of the poking around I did to see what uh, 
what you what you guys do, and that's uh, my hats off to all you all that do them kind of true Ironman races. That's pretty impressive. But um, yeah, what I do is a little bit different, or what I did did accomplish a little bit different, um, as you're familiar with. But um, maybe some of your listeners aren't. But yeah. um, no, they they yeah. sort of have a little bit of an idea about all this off road stuff because I talk about it a little bit. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the Pro Moto Ironman is the class distinction, and um, and that is completing the obviously the participating and completing the uh, longest nonstop off road race in the world. Um, uh, Was it uh, just me? No team, like most guys uh, have two, three, four riders, whatever. But um, nope, we did all 800 miles myself, and um, yeah, definitely felt like it. Yeah, uh, 806 miles. Is that what it ended up being? Yeah. yeah it's a lost, a lost track. <laughs> <laughs> so we're basically talking you're sitting on a motorcycle for 30-plus hours and uh, in some of the ruggedest terrain in the world and yeah. uh, riding, your, riding your balls off. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, darn, yeah, basically. It, uh, it felt like it. it um, my goal... No, I've never done this race. I've ridden down there a few times, um, and I thought I was familiar with the train, but obviously um, it was, you know, they don't pick an easy route, yeah. obviously, for, for a lot of reasons, so that was a little bit surprising how difficult it was. But, yeah, it was my goal was 29, 29 to 30 hours, um, and it ended up taking me over, a little over 32 hours due to a breakdown I had for a couple hours. Otherwise, I would have hit my mark, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And when you say breakdown, that's like the motorcycle quits running and you got to fix it. And yep, yep, we had a few a real freak. Of course, it's it's Baja, so anything's going to happen. Yep, um, as you're you're well aware <laughs> of. But uh, we had a really odd thing happen with the fuel line where a stick kicked up and um, actually ripped the fuel line and and um, um, right where it had a quick disconnect and destroyed the quick disconnect and, and I was up behind Mike Sky Ranch there which you're familiar with mm-hmm. and um, fairly remote and um, was able to uh, patch it up using my uh, Camelback uh, hose um, to get me in which it ended up blowing out four times on the way the last whatever, however many miles it was down to the highway there where my picker was waiting um, because fuel injected bike and so it's 50 pounds of fuel pressure yeah. and obviously that hose is not compatible for that so yeah but we did say a word that most people will recognize camelback <laughs> yeah yeah there you go so, yeah. <laughs> but i am I, i'm gonna say so i've been to baja three times last three okay. years that yeah. that uh off-road racing, particularly Baja and adventure racing, have a lot of similarities. I mean, there's there's a huge logistics uh, component to it. Getting ready, um, yeah. I think you'd probably agree the race the race really gets easier once you start. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of so many unknowns and the logistics. Being my first time and, and a pretty skeleton crew, and, and you know. Yeah. I just got tired. It just like, man, is it ever going to end? All the decisions and planning and things that pop up, and let's just get started on this, you know, already. <laughs> yep. Now, see, now everybody's starting to feel your pain. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's universal between racers and even yeah. even those of us in the media. It's just like you just you you literally breathe a sigh of relief when you when you start. 
Yeah, yeah, all the planning and prep, and whether it's physical, mental, financial, um, getting people in places in their in their proper uh, you know places, and, and then then there's always that the what if factor. Mm-hmm. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, how are we gonna respond in that regard? Yeah. Well, you shrug your shoulders and say, "Well, it's Baja." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of unknowns. <laughs> so, um, so we'll we'll probably jump around a lot sure. during this, but because um, I I want to know like how you got there, blah, blah, all that stuff. But but what's the what was the biggest um, surprise, either good or bad, or something that you had no idea would happen? Oh man, um, okay. You know, of course, being this is something I was extremely interested in for, last, for a lot of years. And so I'd watched every video I could find on YouTube, of course, in regards. And and you come across where sometimes guys would talk about the fans down there. And, the, you know, they talk about you hear some of the negative, but, but you hear the positive as well. And what really was a pleasant surprise was the enthusiasm that they showed towards – all the racers in general, yeah. um, to the point where a lot of them are so savvy down there that they know that when a bike a bike goes by and it has a 700 number on it, where the first number is a seven, so anything in the 700 is an Iron Man. I mean, I could actually hear them scream out, you know, Iron Man, yeah. Baja, you know, ooh, yelling at So that was a big surprise, and that was a big uh, morale boost, for, you know, for me. Um, in the wee hours of the night, yeah. <laughs> I was just, as you're trudging on, so that was, that was a kind of big surprise. I didn't think it, you know I, I should be able to hear them, and, or you see that uh, deep enthusiasm that they have. Yeah, and and the number, the sheer number of people. I mean, yeah, you, you can be out in the middle of nowhere, and you're thinking nobody's ever been here before in my life, and you come across the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In the middle of nowhere, of course, in the dark, you know, I'm a little disoriented as far as how close I am to roads and stuff. So you think, and there is very remote places that we were at out there. But, but yeah, like you say, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, where do these people come from? You know, like a couple, only a couple of vehicles, or, or there might be a thousand people. But, um, uh, yeah, it was encouraging, but also, especially being on a bike, is also a little concerning. Um, as far as the stuff that you've heard can't happen down there, so yeah. it's going to back it down, back it down a little bit, slow down a little bit, make sure everything's okay ahead of you. Yeah, so. I mean the the not the rumor, but the stereotypical thing is if you see a bunch of people in the middle of nowhere, slow down because there's yep. there's something bad there. Yeah, I was I was warned by a few veteran uh, bike uh, race, you know, motorcycle guys that have raced down there and. Specifically, the Ironman guys that I contacted, mm-hmm. that I reached out to before this race, and that was the one thing that one definitely told me is like exactly almost verbatim what you just said. Yeah. Come across out of nowhere, a bunch of people slow down. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, jumping around was was there because <laughs> I have all these questions in my head and I can't keep them straight, <laughs> and and it it's not my nature to like write things down or have a plan. But so was there anybody that you you know really reached out to? You know, uh, almost as a mentor, or was it just like a a group thing thing to teach you? Uh, um, I just reached, uh, you know, um, Viking Mike. I'm out, out of uh, he goes, you know, by, goes by Viking, but Viking Mike out of Vegas. There, I reached out to him. We we messaged back and forth 
via Instagram about some particulars of the race. And I was able to meet him in person before the race down there. Had a few moments with him off to the side where Bella talked about some things. And he was really encouraging and gave me some good pointers. And um, um, Morgan out of uh, Montrose, Colorado from Highland Cycles, he raced it back in the um, – Oh, 2003, 4, 5, that era. Um, he raced 1,000 a couple of times. He gave me some good advice and um, and stuff like that. Um, so just basically, um, you know, not only just bike prep, but, but mental prep as well. I mean, that plays a big part of it, especially, especially on a bike, you know, the mental side of things. And for any, you know, for runners or bikers or swimmers on these long endurance things, man, it's obviously huge physical, but also obviously huge mental as well. Yeah. I, I mean, well, here's one of my favorite questions. Um, how much is mental and how much is physical, percentage-wise, of the race? You know, I think that, obviously, depends on the – everybody's different in that mm-hmm. regard, uh, obviously. Um, I was lucky enough to be born with a real stubborn or no-quit attitude <laughs> or your personality. Yep. You know, when you've got – um, and that's what it takes, that kind of personality for, for any kind of long-distance endurance type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not quit until there is just, for whatever catastrophic reason, I can't go. Yeah. You know? Um, and um, for a lot – and the reasons are different for everybody, yeah. obviously. And I had my own personal reasons why I was doing this. And, and um, so I don't know. You know, the, after a while, the body hurts so much, and you push farther than you ever thought you could or have have had to before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's mental. I almost think mental in a long race like this after after the the three quarter of the distance. You know, you've gone. I think it's mostly <clears throat> mental at that point because physically you're on autopilot, so it's all mental at that at, at that point. Yeah. All right. See, you're be, you're really tapping into the audience now because. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Uh, when you start, you know, the race starts, and I, and I guess it's a little bit different because of the way the start was all kind of weird. Messed up, yeah. 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 Um, did you find yourself having to say, slow down at the, you know, after you started? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was a little bit bummed to be my first time racing, and then we didn't get to do the iconic, you know, start up to the wash deal, yeah. but. Um, but when the bikes leave, it's dark anyways, and hardly hardly anybody's out there, so what does it matter? Yeah. But um, yeah, that fir- that first seventy miles to where you know where we left Ensenada and then down through Ojos Negros and through the mountains there, and where we popped out onto the highway over there on the Pacific side. That mm-hmm. section there was three quarters of the way through that. I just finally realized, what are you doing? You've got to slow down and pace yourself better. Don't get caught up in the in the race aspect of it because you know, because we were all bunched up. It was us and the four-wheelers, and we're everybody's passing back and forth, and we're splashing through the deep water. And, and, and it was just a full-on, like, almost motocross race because we are all so bunched up, and we hadn't spread out yet. Yeah. And I, finally, I had I had a bit of a close call during all that and, and almost went down, and finally just came to my sense and said, hey, man, this is going to be a long day. Just slow down just a little bit and start pacing yourself. So, yeah, that first seven miles was a little erratic. but uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's typical, you know, in mm-hmm. motorsports, you know. So Yeah. Um, had to reel it in and start getting real um, mental about it. Start focusing. Lost a little focus there for that first hour and a half or two hours, whatever it was. And then 
After that, I had my first quick pit stop there, uh, out there on the highway at race mile 70, mm-hmm. and then just a real quick check and go. And um, had a few little time there on the road before we went off on, you know, San Tomas over the hill there and was able to kind of just gather my thoughts and kind of get the game face back on and, and start to focus. And and after that, things things were uh, – I got in the good rhythm and the way we went. Yeah, that's, um, that's adventure racing. It could be a 10-day race and everybody – Everybody takes off like it's a 5K, and and they all know it. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. and it's just literally you can't help yourself. <laughs> so it's the comp- any of us that are you know entering some something like this a race, no matter how short or long, and um, but the ones that survive, and I and as you've seen in all sorts of kinds of racings, the ones that make it to the end typically are the ones that can control that the best. Yeah. So that's very true. Um, another little quick thing on the mental side. When somebody comes up to you and says, hey, let's do this really stupid thing, is <laughs> is your answer always yes to start with? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the club. It's an automatic yes, and then you're like, then, then you're like, yeah, we'll figure it out, or then, then – Whatever it is, the maybe the reality of, of what you may, may have said yes to starts to sink in. But yeah, um, yeah, the gut reaction is well, if it's a challenge, I'm in. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, other than probably you know the last three four hours of the race, which you know I'm sure you kind of kind of sucked. What was yeah. and, and this won't mean anything to anybody else except maybe me. But what was what was your favorite part and or, not your favorite part. What was the best part of the race, and what was like the lowest part for you? Hmm. Uh, you know, best parts. I mean, I'd be hard to pick just one. Um, obviously, there's so many when you have a successful run like that. Um, you know, the star. Okay, we're underway. Seeing my picture, how good they were doing because they were all new at this. Um, all of our little victories along the way, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you grab it, you grab it, anything for a little victory, anything yeah, um, to help propel you forward um, mentally and physically. Um, the down, my lowest point, one of my obviously the lowest points when I thought we were out when the fuel line broke, yeah. I, I couldn't, I was pretty tired by that point already. And so I wasn't really thinking straight. I thought we were done. In fact, I started to text, we were using the Garmin inReach to, com- to message the mm-hmm. pit crew. I started to message them saying, hey, we're out. I don't know how we're going to get the bike out of here. I'll probably just stay the night up here, and you guys can get me in the morning or something. We'll figure it out. And then, But that was a low point. Then, but I never did send that message. Uh, we got, got, was able to get it figured out with some suggestions from some passing riders and you know, away we went. But um, that that was probably yeah. a low point. Um I, Larry, Larry Janetsky, uh, him and his son have raced uh, this a few times, and they were there racing this year. And he had told me um, the night before, I think it was two nights before at the driver's meeting, um, if you hit the summit of the you know, last big summit mm-hmm. there, um, as the sun's breaking the horizon, you're home free. You'll make it on your th- in, in your 34 hours. And so my uh, big low point for me was when the sun came up over the horizon that last morning and – I wasn't at the summit. In fact, I hadn't even started the, the climb yet. Okay. And and that was a low point for me because that was a section through the flats there where you could really go fast. And I, I had her wound up 
pretty good. I was clipping right along. Yep. And um, seeing that sun come up, I'm like, Larry said I need to be at the top, and I'm not there. That's So I, that was kind of a morale yeah. killer for But I knew I'd just keep pushing, and, and it, it is what it is. The time is what the time is, and we'll just – Keep pushing forward and see, you know, see if we can still get in on time. Yeah. So I think people should know that your race started at what three o'clock in the morning, roughly. Yeah, we uh, I le- yeah we left the first bike left at three, and I was shortly thereafter. You know, I was leaving the the, the original start there. At, yeah, three thirty. Yeah. So you got two sun two sunrises, yeah. <laughs> which isn't bad. Um, no, I mean it was beautiful. It was great yeah. weather for the race. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. Once, yeah. <laughs> once we waited a day. <laughs> yeah, the, I was a little. And I hate rain. I grew up on the west coast of Washington, where oh. I just despise that, that kind of rain. It just gets me down. Yeah. And um, so that was a bit of a bummer, but we made it. So. Yeah. All right. So now, just a quick sidebar. Where'd you grow up in yeah. Washington? Port Angeles, right out there on the peninsula. Okay. Um, yeah. um, so and then then um, we kind of. Um, the family of uh, my folks and, and in-laws and such and the rest of her family live up there north of uh, Bellingham up against the border there okay. north of Seattle so, so um, yeah yeah just because uh, my wife Paulette is in Tahola right now working oh okay cool <laughs> oh wow yeah so, crazy yeah it's kind of weird yeah she goes out there um, you know a couple weeks at a time and works for Indian Health I mean she oh, wow. loves it she's you know living living yeah. on the beach and Oh yeah, so, I mean it's beautiful, but it just the rain. Yeah, goodness. I, yeah, I get that part. Um, so you had it wound up. So going across leg bed, how fast are you going? You know, nothing like the like the professionals do. You know, they got them bikes geared to run hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And um, being this is my bike that you know I have for all my other riding. You know, I. I do seventy, you know, yeah. anywhere sixty-five to seventy. And that's that's plenty fast yeah. in those conditions, and there's no sense wringing the bike's neck and, and really just for for what, yeah. you know, what's my gain to push it and have a big crash or blow the bike up? And there's no gain in that for me. And my goal was to finish, and uh, so that was my pace. You know, I still got after, but yeah, yeah. that was fast <clears throat> enough for me. So I was, so I got to run. I got to. I was going to say I got to run that section, but I got to. Ride, so I I got to pre run between three fifty and seven fifteen that section. Oh, okay, yep. yep. <laughs> and we're we're blasting across that lake bed, and we're in a, we're in yeah. a buggy, four seat buggy. Yeah. yeah, I fell asleep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just it just rocked you to sleep, right? All them bumps. Once you got off, once you got off the lake bed and it got rough again. Yeah, I woke up then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a real, um, kind of surreal moment for me. I mean, I'd been across the lake bed before the year prior when I was down there riding around. And um, so just got the bike fixed from the last pit stop from the fuel line mm-hmm. issue. The, it's not quite dark when I left the pits. By the time I got down to the lake bed, it was just getting to be twilight. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to go, go across the lake bed as the sun's going down behind me. And mm-hmm. no other racers around me. No, It, it, it was just kind of a real neat. It was quiet. You know, as far as the no one's out there and the sun's going down, and um, yeah, it's kind of kind of a cool moment just to be able to. Um, you almost just weird, just kind of think to, think to yourself about other things or just enjoy the moment, you know. Yeah. Of knowing what's ahead is it's going to get rough again. So, yeah. well, um, that's a that's a good point. Did were there times where you enjoyed yourself? 
I mean, oh, you could yeah. take you, you would look around and 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 say, oh, yeah, I'm having a good time. Pinch myself and out loud in my helmet. You know, you do whatever you got to do to keep going and talk out loud to yourself, yeah. and, and and to say to yourself, man. I'm racing the Baja 1000. This is nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a lot of moments like that. And to be able to look around and just enjoy a little bit when you had those few quick moments just to take it all in, you know. So Yeah. Um, it's hard to forget to do that when you're in a competitive mode or, or survival mode or yeah. whatever. But um, those little glimpses you get. Yeah, the, well, I think it's very important to do. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think... You know, I would do that more if I ever had the chance to do it again. I mean, I'll be down the riding again, whether I race it or not. It's a different story, but yeah. but um, yeah, you got to try to take all the sights and sounds in because it goes by quick. Yeah. Um. So, how the hell did this? How the hell did this Washington via South Dakota boy end up racing the Baja One Thousand? <laughs> that is a really good question. <laughs> um. So. Started riding bikes back in 1982. I was 10 years old. Um, rode till I was 16, 17-ish. Um, then sold my dirt bike I had at the time. Got into car racing. Then life happens. Got out of that and married and kids and the whole deal, right? So never had my own bike until. And then you know, work. I moved around to work. We were in Nebraska, Nebraska for a while. Anyways, to the Black Hills here three and a half, about three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, got back into bikes, and um, and uh, I guess the dream started back in 1982, actually, um, through the dirt, dirt bike magazines and seeing little articles on this far-off land of Baja, Mexico, yeah. and the, these guys mm-hmm. that were racing down there, and just how cool it seemed to be, and man, I'd be cool to do that someday as a kid, you think to yourself, and then it gets pushed to the back of your mind, yeah. and... and and you wait all these years, and maybe it's midlife, maybe it's whatever, but, uh, you know. Yep. Um, but some people have bucket lists or dreams they're chasing or want to chase, and I'm probably all I'm probably all of those things. And spent a lot of years just surviving and just going through the motions of life and got to the point where, you know, it's I need to take a stab at some of these things and – Got back in the bikes, went on some pretty good challenging rides over the last couple of years around the western United States and Mexico. And and, and then um, shortly after I got back in the bikes, moving to Black Hills, I happened to stumble. It's very cliche what I'm about to say, but you've heard it a lot of times from people that race, end up racing Baja, is I stumbled across this little video on YouTube called Dust of Glory. Yes. Yes, and, yes, yes. I have a copy so, in the basement. <laughs> so many people say, "Man, that's what got me to do." It. And yep. it's, it's true. Yeah, it has got a lot of people to get off their butt, whether it's go race the Baja or go whatever, climb that mountain or go whatever goal they're at, mm-hmm. wanting to chase. Yep. And it inspires them. And some people are inspired by things like that. Some aren't. I, I am. And and um, it. Uh, so I started talking about it. People that kind of give you a look like, "Yeah, okay, right, sure, whatever," yeah. you know, and. Um, the, I didn't. I didn't officially. This is a little, little harebrained, but I didn't officially decide to that we were going to do this until 45 days before we were going to have to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
Yeah. So, more and more, you're fitting right in with this group. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't that I had to, you know, get massively in shape all of a sudden. I mean, I've always been in decent shape. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can always be in better shape, obviously. But um, I've always been had good stamina on riding distance and such. And so, I mean, obviously, I'll, you know, I kicked it into gear and did what I had to do and do what I could do with those limited amount of time. But um, I just said enough's enough. You know, I hem hot around. Was I going to do it this year, next year, year after, blah, blah, blah. And once they put out the um, race course map for the year, and I felt familiar with that whole that whole area, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I said, oh, we're doing it. So here we go. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. We'll get we'll get back to that a little bit, but since you're kind of familiar, and and in my limited knowledge, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to say this was an easy year, but I think it might have been a sort of an easy year for crew. Um, for the chase crews, yeah, yeah, and that was a that was a contributing factor for me. Being all we had was one chase truck. Yeah, um, I knew as soon as I glanced at the map, I knew logistically. This would be a good year for mm-hmm. for us, yeah. As far as chase crews go, yeah. <clears throat> Seeing where the tra- you know the course across the highways and so on and so forth, I thought, okay, this will play into our favor as far as logistically in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, um, but you know, um, I did use a pit service for some of the stops that were you know farther remote yeah. and such, and, <clears throat> and then once I saw my crew on the Pacific side in the morning, they just went over to the. San Felipe side and waited for me over there. So um, that worked out pretty good and saw them three times on the east side there. So yeah. it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I was I was with the 37 this year. And I, let's see, mm-hmm. some one, two, three, four times plus the finish. So, right. I mean, compared to in three years ago when I went down, it was a peninsula run. Uh-huh. And, and this is how I explain Baja to people. Once we got left Ensenada, three days before the race started, spent almost twenty hours in the truck over two days, and saw the and saw the race truck for fifteen minutes at a pit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's <laughs> so. Yeah, this was a good year for you to go. <laughs> yeah, Chase crews have a lot of sitting around time. Yep. You know, and there were times they didn't see me for seven eight hours. You know. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah. that's just yeah, the that's the way it is. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who? How many? So you had one chase vehicle. How many people? Okay, so uh, we had uh, my wife Robin, um, my two younger kids uh, Cody and Jake. They're sixteen and thirteen, and my best friend Bryce and his girlfriend. So that's a full truck right there. So yeah, what I just yeah yeah. So, but you know, four door pickup, so on and so forth, and um, and uh, so they were able to uh, get all their gear in there, and uh, away we went. Yeah, so, you, uh, yeah, you motorcycle guys have it easy. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a, we don't have much to as far as spare. You know, we don't have big old tires like you guys got and all that. Yeah, so. when we leave Denver with the race truck with the fifty seven, it's you know three trucks. Um, you know, one trailer with the pre-runner, one trailer with the race truck, you know, the feather light, and they're all packed to yeah. the gills, and it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still need more people. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, No, we worked out pretty good. You know, we were one of those shoestring kind of operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the bike was prepped well. It was a 
quality newer bike and so on and so forth. Uh, in that regard, we were good, but we were just going for a finish, you know. Yeah. Um, we were. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to try to race for the win, so on and so forth. Yeah. So I just we um, brought the necessities and uh, rode accordingly. Yeah. Well, come on. You know, finishing is is a win. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it is for sure. I mean, there was. 15 or 16 guys in, in the, in, that did the Ironman uh, this year on the bike. Um, seven, of them, seven of them finished, and I was number six that finished. Um, just couldn't quite catch that guy ahead of me. He wasn't <laughs> that far ahead of me, but, yeah, I just didn't have it left in me. Yeah. So, But also, and, and I don't know if you know this, were any of those guys rookies? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. So. I know. I, I know the top four were definitely not because I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I know personally three of the top four. So, um, yeah, they they just they're on a whole different level, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's different. So I was talking with a racer, bike racer, two two years ago, and we're just chatting. I'm like, well, so how many times have you done it? And he's like, he sat and he thought he's like. I don't know. So, really? Somewhere between thirteen and sixteen times. Wow! But he would wow. all he would be on bike, you know, teams, and sometimes there'd be you know ten. There could be ten guys on a team, and, and he literally oh. couldn't remember how many times he'd done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I'm a little different in that regard. I don't know. I mean, I would not turn down the chance to be on a team. I would not front a team, or I wouldn't want it to be my bike and my my team and yeah. then bring on other other bring on other riders i want it to be all left win loser draw finish no finish i want it all on me yeah as far as the bike side of it goes as far as the riding side of it you know yeah um, yeah kind of way i'm wired so um, um so you guys well here's where you're different from adventure racing because you basically have a gp gps that you have to follow and a track you have to follow yeah and uh there's what three physical checkpoints and I don't know they're like eighty virtual checkpoints. No, there was over four hundred. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. There the V the I thought you were referring yeah, to the VPs. VC, yeah, VCPs virtual yeah. checkpoints. Yeah, yeah. There there was four hundred and some. <laughs> they made darn. This was the and by far exceeded according from what I was told, anyways. That far exceeded way more than they usually ever have on yeah. VCPs. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, it helps keep people from cutting the course. Yeah, you know. But, so, and you have to you have to get within what's the distance you have to hit. So I think some of them were like thirty feet, and some were fifty or sixty feet. Um, they were typically well, you probably know this. They were typically in real slow, um, yeah. tight turns or whatever. So yeah. you, could, you know, I mean, you, you would hear a beep at you and oh, wait, keep going. But so. you know, yeah. And yeah, do you have yeah. and you have a Stella on your bike, right? Yeah, 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 still on the bike, and then we also, the bike guys also have a tracker in their in your backpack, mm -hmm. in case you get separated from the bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they can find you, not because it does happen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and yeah. there was a few times in the night where you're going along down some of those big washes, and and you're focusing on riding because the sand's so deep and all the rocks and there's all you know all you know how there's all the different trails and routes you can take, yeah. and Pretty soon you look down your GPS, like man, that blue line's fading way up to the side. Man, I'm off course a little bit, and 
and then I quick would have to tap and zoom out, make sure I, did, I didn't miss a VCP. And there's a couple times I had to quick kind of backtrack and maybe, you know, oh, uh, eighth, of, eighth of a mile or whatever to quick make sure I'd pick up the VCP and keep going. So, yeah. And that's one thing that sort of freaked me out the first year is their tracking system is the same as most races, most adventure races use with the track oh, really? leaders. So I'd go to the page and it's like, well, I know how this thing works. Because <laughs> the races will use a spot tracker too to keep right to keep going. So it's it's uh yeah it's very familiar to me and like and we'd do that. I would put a tracker on our truck, you know, with a sp- specific page, um, so we could you know check track it a little easier. You know, don't have to go to this page that has eight hundred vehicles yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort through that mess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's a good idea. Yeah, um, interesting. So, so for people that don't know what a Stella is, can you kind of explain it a little bit? Um, uh, you, you may know better than I do. You may be, but it's well. Here's what I think, I think it does: it prevents you from getting right. run over by 800 horsepower trophy trucks. <laughs> yeah, that. Is, well, see what I. But they have to hit the button. Yeah. If they don't hit the button in theirs, it doesn't you don't see it. Then they'll start hitting their, their sirens and whatever. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, the first time one of those big trucks caught me was that night down there in Matomi Wash. And so I saw the lights reflecting off the, the wall of the wash there, you know. Mm. And so I knew what was coming. So I quick, quick pulled over and looked and, you know, let them by. Yeah. And then there's times where they're, they see you way out of heaven and they'll start, they have a button they hit and it alerts. Let's, my device, yeah. and it's that blue. It starts squawking real loud and flashing blue or whatever it is. But, yeah. Um, and I call it mission control. But anyways, the mm-hmm. race coordinating trailer, they you know they're tracking us, and they can actually they, they can actually reset it and kind of mess with it. And they were kind of doing that to mine on the way, like the last couple of hours of the race. I could see that they were messing with it because they was having problems tracking me. And I could see they were trying to reset it and so, stuff. Yeah. So they're they're watching everybody, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So um, it doesn't apply to the bikes, but the rule rule in the trophy truck is if you come up on another truck, you hit the Stella button. If that doesn't work, you hit the horn. And if that doesn't work, (laughs) then you hit the truck with your truck. (laughs) Yeah, you call it what they call it, nerfing them or whatever. Yeah, nerfing them. And I mean that's totally legit. Oh yeah, no, it's. Pretty crazy. I've seen it on videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? What? One thing I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, like when I broke down for a while there, I have the button that you push that says "vehicle broke down." Mm-hmm. So I push that, and I could actually hear it because my bike's off at that point, so it's kind of quiet out, and I'm up in the mountains. And I, as I could hear other bikes coming down the hill, I could hear their Stella squawking at them, telling them, "Hey, just broke down a vehicle ahead of you." So, um, which was me. Yeah. Um, so that, that obviously is a good safety overlay for in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And then also after my first pit stop, once I took off, my Stella started squawking at me, asking me if I was okay because I'd been stopped for a few minutes. Oh, and, yeah. it, I, you know, I'm new to this. I'm like, what is, what's this thing doing? And then I'm reading them as I'm running, going down the road. I'm reading, <laughs> oh, okay, to reply that you're okay, push that button. And I push that, and it left me alone after that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, safety. I mean, it's really weird because it's like the wild, wild, wild west down there. But sa- they yeah. take safety really seriously. Yeah. So. Um, obviously, 
it's important to debut for yeah. all that's going on or could go on out there and, and does happen out there unfortunately some bad things do happen um one thing that impressed me is how well the radio communications were i know it's a little more difficult when they do a peninsula run but mm. this this particular course and layout this year the radio communications were um from the interaction we've had and, and other teams i've talked to with the weatherman and all that it was pretty 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 good yeah that's yeah it seemed well so in the 37 they have their own little system that's that's part of of lead nav and oh i mean all the trucks have ipads they're all tied together you can see where everybody is um hmm. They, you know, each of those trucks. Well, and of course, obviously, you can see the race truck on that. Um, you could message through it, um, you know, and that's all satellite stuff. So, um, if, cool. if you're out of there or, you know, you got no cell service, you're still able to talk to everybody. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's like, how many things do you got to know? You got to know how to ride a bike. You got to know how to fix a bike. You got to know all this technology stuff and. Yeah, yeah and, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly technical, <laughs> savvy in the, in the uh, technical stuff. Uh, but and yeah, they don't really, they don't train you on this Stella yeah, stuff. It's no. like squawking at me. I mean, there's a little sticker I had on my bike. So okay, and then it's kind of, what's that button do? You know, again, yeah. as you're riding, ripping, ripping through the desert trying to figure this out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, some guys carried sat phones with yeah. them with their, on their bikes. We chose not to. We just had two Garmin inReach units. Yeah. And I actually had a pre-programmed message in there. And every time I would stop at one of the paid pit stops, you know, that I paid for, mm -hmm. um, I would quick pull it out of my front pocket, out of my pack, hit that preset message. And all it said was, I'm okay, still on the move. And then that would ping, ping my pit crew. Um, and then they would give him a GPS location and he could see on the course where I was at. And then he'd be able, they'd be able to guess to me when I should you know, arrive to, at their yeah. location. So. Um, that worked pretty good for us. So that's kind of the budget route, but it worked. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, sometimes simple, you know. And in here, you know, we're saying, well, that's you know, satellite communication and you know, all that. But sometimes simple works well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, for the for the bikes, it's a pretty pretty simple and small setup. Yeah. So I mean, it worked. It worked. So yeah. Um, so here's the thing that tends to be a little more moto related, but not. Not necessary, but sometimes in adventure racing, were you up till like three o'clock in the morning, getting ready to go before you left left the house? Um, that's interesting because one of the Ironman guys I asked him about that the day before. I said, "Hey, are you going to go to the drivers' meeting, riders' meeting, and or should, should or just send your crew and stay back and get some sleep?" He's like, "No," he goes. I'll be there. He goes, and you will be there sometimes, especially being your first time, blah, yeah. blah, a lot of good information. And he was actually there as well. And I'm like, yeah, Mike, but we don't get back by time back to the house. It's going to be midnight roughly or you know, or 10 o'clock or whatever, and we're only going to get two hours of sleep. He's like, well, everybody's different. He goes, I'll probably just stay up and, and just go. Um, but uh, I think by the time I got back to the house, it was 10 o'clock, whatever, 930. I was able to get a couple hours of sleep. Um, got up at midnight. You know, I'm always early to wherever I go. So I got up at midnight, which is probably an hour and a half earlier than, earlier than we needed to. But, yeah. you know, get the jitters and all. You know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're ready. To, you're ready to go. You want to just, yeah, it's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was down there, I think, before the, we were like, 
probably the first dozen bikes that show up down there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, were, we were early, and I mean, just rode the bike right from the house and uh, followed the chase truck down to the starting line there and got checked in, all that good stuff. And and um, surprisingly enough, it was weird. I guess I didn't even think about it. I wasn't nervous, and I guess I really never thought about it, um, that I would be nervous or wouldn't be. Um, it was almost like a, a calm and I don't know if I was still going numb mentally or what, but, um, um, but it was just a calm, like, hey, we're doing this, we're getting it done, I got this handled, and away we go. So, huh. um, yeah, it was weird. And it wasn't really kick in until once we had the fit real start and took off and kind of got into the race mode there for a while, then it actually kind of kicked in. And I was like, holy crap, we're actually, we are actually doing this. And then it kind of got a little nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, what once you started, it's like, oh no. Yeah, yeah what do we get? Well, then once I saw how crazy was out there um that first 70 miles so we had the four-wheelers start behind my, my class and those guys run really fast um they caught us right away a bunch of them the whole pack of them did and they're diving in and out of all and i was with another group of guys that i had caught up to maybe i was in a pack of like five bikes and we were kind of swapping back and forth and all of a sudden here comes these quads and they're trying to get past us and it's narrow and muddy and next thing i know there's one quad, he's flipping down over the bank into the trees, and then his buddy must, I don't know if they had in-helmet in, uh, in radios or what, but all of a sudden his buddy was out ahead. He's coming backwards on the race course yeah. at, at us, and, of course, it's dark, and his light's bright, and ours are bright, and we can't see each other. And um, Then, you know, you got Joe Public. He was, you know, somebody was driving the wrong way on the course, you know, trying to get somewhere. And I'm like, wow, this is a real deal. It's just like the videos. Yep. That's the way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, look at the video of, uh, and maybe I'll put a link to this if I find it in my show notes. But uh, uh, James, is it Hinchcliffe or Rossi? I can't remember. That uh, coming flying down the road and they clipped the mirror of a car going the other way. Oh, yeah. That that was, well, you know, I was, yeah, right down there by Ojo Snowdrops. And um, yeah, that's a bit scary, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. I, it, it, there's just no way to to describe it to the people what it's what it's like. Well, so I'm down, so I'm there last year, you know, because that was kind of the start. Um, you know, it was like 90 miles, maybe 100 miles in. So I'm sitting there waiting, and and the trophy trucks are coming flying through, and there's a guy on a horse with his kid behind him, and and the dog walking beside him, just just going down the road with these trophy trucks. Going 100 miles an hour through the air beside him. Was, yeah, he's just like, well, it's just another day to him. He's yeah. like, got to go do whatever he has to do. Yeah, it's a work you guys, day. You, and you guys just happen to be there ripping down the road. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Dog didn't bother, didn't bother dog, didn't bother the horse. I mean, it's just like, man. That is amazing. That is crazy. It, 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 it's just, it's, it's so cool. Um, yeah, it is on so many levels. They really are into it down there. It's, it sounds corny to say this, but it's a whole different world. But it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's just—I guess like anywhere you go around the world, I mean, it's a totally different setup. But and and so obviously you went, you've ridden down there a couple times and decided to race. But is it yeah. so in adventure racing? Everybody talks about Patagonia. Um, you know, people go down there and race. My wife's raced down there twice. It sucked both times, and she'd go again in a second. <laughs> but I find a lot of people I talk to feel that way about Baja. It's like, I mean, even if you had had a, the world's 
most horrendous race, and you sat out there in the desert for two days. There's right. still something that wants to bring you back. Yeah, and it takes a certain kind of person, obviously, of course, to, mm-hmm. to like any type of adventure racing, no matter what kind of race it is. Um, and for everybody, it's probably different. Um, I think for some of the people that go to Ba, maybe, you know, some people refer to it as um, the mystique of Baja or um, the lady of Baja that did she, you know, I was fortunate enough and she let me succeed this time yeah. and maybe next time, maybe not so much. And if you don't succeed and it was a terrible race and things, oh, everything went wrong is that, per, that certain personality would want to go back there to see if they can conquer it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It just draws you back and, Everybody has their thing that they're drawn to, and that just happens to be it for me. So. Yeah. So, yeah, the 57, the first year I went, we didn't even take the truck because of a thousand different reasons. And then, and, and so they raced with another team, you know, broke down at 800 miles. And uh, then last year, what did, what did happen last year? I can't even remember. <laughs> so, so, so your first time down was for the fiftieth. Yeah, yeah. And, wow, that was, that's a big deal. And and that was kind of the deal because <clears throat> I won't say it was ever a bucket list, but I mean, I. So one of my memories from being real young is an article in Road and Track yeah. about the Baja Five Hundred when um, Parnelli Jones was running the Oli Bronco, and there was a cartoon. Yeah. Of a Cessna 150 being passed, and, and the caption was just been passed by a bouncing beer can. <laughs> I got a story that relates to Parnelli Jones. Okay. The, so the the pick that when I had the fuel line issue and I made it into my pits finally, um, the pit crew that helped us would be it's part. Let me see. Parnelli Jones. It'd be his son. Has a we're still races down there. They had two cars in the, in this race, two side by sides, I believe. Mm. But one of his pit crews were the ones that helped me. They gave me the fuel line. They gave me their Camelback, and after and I didn't know who they were, and we took off. And my pit crew never got their names. We had to go back through the video because my son was videoing the pits, and we got a glimpse of their trailer. Anyways, we were able to track them down, figure out who it was. Mm. I tracked them down, obviously the internet and all that, Facebook and this that. Got their phone number, called down to the shop. Parnelli Jones' son answered, well, his secretary did, and put me on the phone with him when I kind of explained her the situation. Basically, I was calling to A, thank them for their help. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't there, but, but, and then, and then asked them, hey, do you want me to mail you back this really nice, newer name brand Camelback? You would like guys like it back, you yeah. know? And so as I'm on explaining this to him, and he's like, yeah, right on, cool. Yeah, sure. We appreciate it if you'd mail that back and this and that. And then he's like, hold on a second. So he opens the door. I hear him yelling out into the shop, hey, there's some guy on the phone, Iron Man on a bike. Did you guys help him? And I, you can hear them yelling back, yeah, well, he just called to say thanks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, that's my Parnelli Jones connection. That's very, very cool. So, yeah, we'll yeah. have to. So since you're so – we're going to have to just meet up because I got a zillion stories. You got a zillion stories. So. Oh, yeah. We could, we could bore everybody to tears on yeah. Baja for, forever. Yeah. See, like part of our <laughs> team, that our normal team for the 57, um, uh-huh. raced with Jensen Button. Okay. 
Okay. So, you know, Formula One world cool. champion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm putting it together in a name. I'm, yeah. You're, you're like, I know that. Who's that name? I couldn't piece it together. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So. It's, it's inter- interesting how a lot of them lines cross and, and time passes and, and different uh, relatives or the family continues on in, in yeah. some sort or fashion. Yeah. But um, in, in, in racing. But, yeah. Um, so. That's, that's cool. So, I'm. I'm going to guess that maybe you're not up for a peninsula run yet. Absolutely, I am. Oh, yeah. I'd jump on that bike right now. Let me see. Yeah, the oil's changed. I mean, it's really, it could go right now. Really? I'd probably put a new, new I mean, the tires are still pretty decent, but I'd probably put a new set on. But, yeah, I, you know, for right afterwards, I remember talking to my wife as we are heading back to the house, and I, who in their right mind would ever ever want to do this again because uh-huh. I, 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 I was in so much pain i could hardly walk i was hurting bad yeah and um and so and i've been up for like 40 hours and anyway so within about four or five days all of a sudden it's like creeping back man you know i'd like to do i'd like to do a peninsula run because that's iconic in a different mm-hmm. you know in itself so a little farther so on and so forth down to la paz all that hoopla so yeah, I'd do it. It's just so expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you've got a little clue into what it costs, and just to just to enter it is not cheap. Yeah. So, someone like me, you know, still have the kids, two of the kids at home. I just financially, it just yeah, this was kind of a one and done bucket list, you know. Um, but. I'd do it if someone helped me. Yeah, <laughs> on the financial side, but you know, absolutely would. So, so the only thing about that story that doesn't ring true is I don't t- think it took you three or four days. I think it was probably a day, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go again." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Surprisingly enough, the day after, physically, let me see. I got back to the house about two. I think I fell asleep about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and got, woke up about 12 hours later, 13 hours later. I didn't feel too bad. I mean, I was tired. I wasn't crazy sore until probably two or three days later. Yeah. But, and I don't know if that's t- typical because I'm not real experienced in, like, a lot of you, you know, your listeners maybe or people you run with, um, if that's typical in a long endurance thing. Um, or or was it the fact that I had the IV the day before helped prolong that a little bit maybe? Probably helped, but I mean, did you get in the truck and drive home? Yeah, yeah. Next day, I drove all the way back home up to here. The next day, that's that's what kills you. It's, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's that S- sitting, sitting, not keeping move, not keeping moving, yep. keeping your muscles loose, yeah. loose and your joints moving. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if I mean, in an ideal world, if you could sit down there for two or three days and recover, and then take oh, yeah. three or four days driving back, but it's like. Yeah. And it's yeah. that's a long ways back to South Dakota. Real, to, to reality, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I drive down to Denver and and, and hook up, and then like I don't have to drive anymore. But it's like, and that's just a long haul. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's just a long pull, no matter how you slice it. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, for a long long trip, but we survived. Had to get back to work. So there's that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you do do you race anything else, or do you just are you just you know I, I like to go find hard trails. I like to go find hard trails. I like to be challenged. I mean, I enjoy leisurely riding too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm one of the guys that 
one of those guys that oh, I'm not going to ride unless it's, you know, really, really hard. But, um, no, I like to be challenged, obviously. It's kind of proven. I mean, uh, a few months before this, the Baja, we went, uh, buddy of mine, uh, we went to Idaho, um, did some riding over there, um, where it's known to have some really challenging trails, and we yeah. definitely found those, and that's kind of where, you know, and so they're kind of world-renowned trails over there, and I was able to bust through them pretty good. I was like, no, that's when the real Baja guy, maybe I could do the Baja, I survived this, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we do ride around here as much as, as much as we can, and I like to hit Colorado and that kind of stuff, and, and yeah. um, they like to get down to uh, and, and basically anywhere in the Mojave Desert and ride is always fun, so. Yeah, and um, does the rest of the family ride? Yeah, so my daughter Cody is 16. Uh, she races uh, motocross there. That uh, is an indoor series that mm. she races there in, in rapid there through the winter. That's um, once a month they have a race there at the fairgrounds indoor. Yeah. She does that. And then of course we do you know trail riding, and she does a little bit of motocross in the summertime around uh, Wyoming and South Dakota. And, and then my wife rides a four wheeler, and then my youngest son, he's uh, 13. He's got st- he's got a four wheeler and. And but he's showing more interest in maybe a dirt bike, so we're going one of those. We'll see how that goes this summer. So yeah, yeah we all enjoy that kind of stuff. Did, tell me if I'm wrong because I don't know for certain, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of the motocross scene isn't too big here. And I'm basing that as I went up and shot at the rally, and it's like there's no people here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I know the indoor series; they have a big turnout for bikes. I mean, they'll get. Yeah. You know, three hundred and whatever plus bikes um, in the summertime. No, not a, not a lot of big uh, yeah. spectator base. To be honest with you, it's really not. No. Yeah, yeah. I've no. I've shot the indoor a couple of times. It's been a couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, I used yeah. used to shoot the enduro all the time at the Civic Center, but oh, okay, that's gone away. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just not a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, in this part of the country, you know, I mean, there's plenty of leisurely stuff to do, riding wise, and, but um, I think you get more of that around uh, as you got to go south a little ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's so. uh, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but a lot of that stuff just doesn't happen around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't, unfortunately. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, just a long ways to anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, well, it's our choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, well, well, once I got a few years to go to retirement, I think I'm, it's a ways yeah. off yet. But we'll probably move south once once that time comes. We might have a little place down in Baja, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, okay, here's maybe the final question, and then when I say that, everybody laughs because it never is. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, so the, the the kids say when you're done. That's cool. When can I do it? it um. Bah- no, they said that's crazy. I would never do that. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, my daughter. Yeah, she's where she's all hung up in the motocross stuff right now. But um, man, we'll see. I, I'd be I'd be scared to death to see one of the kids. You know, once they got older, even once they got older. But now that I've been out there, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's funny. They they made, you know, kids are and public mm-hmm. fun and you know, family members and such. But um, when I start talking about doing it they're like yeah okay whatever <laughs> you can't do that you can't do that you know oh uh, you, should, you shouldn't have said can't <laughs> yeah you're too old you can't do that yeah, stuff. oh yeah oh, no, oh yeah the, the dad's always too old so i get a lot of that but, yeah 
Um, but now I can say when they start giving me crap, I can always say, yeah, but, but, but who's the Iron Man now? There you go. So. <laughs> you showed them. Yeah. So, so I guess. On a scale of one to a million, mm-hmm. how good did you feel when you rolled up on that finish ramp? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. You know, it didn't seem real, obviously. I mean, that's kind of cliche, obviously. Yeah. But I was hurting pretty bad physically. I didn't have a whole lot left in me. Um, this is my lower back had gotten to me by that point. Yeah. My neck, you know, I'd be having a helmet on for that long, whipping around. Um, lower, lower neck, upper back. You know, just physically, I was, I had a hard time even getting off the bike, you know. Um, and um, my hands, my hands never hurt. I've always had real strong hands. And a lot of guys suffer from their hands hurting, mm-hmm. but um, I could, they didn't hardly function. My fingers, I couldn't, like, if I had to go and say, tie your shoes, a day a day later, I had a hard time tying my shoes. Just mm-hmm. the, the dexterity in my fingers just weren't muscle. <clears throat> I just wouldn't respond. Yeah. And um, But even though I was going through all that pain, the feeling of, <clears throat> yeah, I finished. This is, I can't believe you know, it, yeah. it seemed so far off and so unobtainable, and you know, and only, only a certain class of people I have thought that were far superior in whatever their skills may be were the kind of people that could accomplish this, right? Yeah. But but <clears throat> in reality, it's just everybody's. You know, obviously there's different levels of how good people are, and in any sport, you know, fast ones, the slower ones, and the ones that just completed, and that's a victory as well, in whatever the race is. But I, I realize that if you want something bad enough, more often than not, we all have it in us, and we may not get it the first time. I was very fortunate and lucky enough, or whatever, to make it the first time, but. Most of us have it, and it's whatever that goal or dream may be. You just have to be have that I will not quit attitude, no matter how many times it takes me. If you want it bad enough, you're more than likely you can do it. And that kind of sunk in with me is like, I guess it wasn't so far off or so big because I'm just an average Joe, and I gutted it out and I made it. So um, yeah. that's kind of my thought process behind it, and and. I don't know. I just hope, I hoped or hoped that, I and mean, I've had a few people contact me and, hey, how'd you do it? Man, I've always wanted to do that. Well, well someday, someday, well, well, last time I checked, I didn't see someday on the calendar. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a day of the week, someday. Yeah. So get your ducks in a row, and if that's truly what you want, get after it and make it happen. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping that, man, maybe it can ins- inspire someone to, get that little extra nudge to go what, go after whatever that goal or dream may be, whether it's climbing Everest or just doing the local marathon for the first time or whatever it may be, yeah. give, give it a shot. See what happens. That's, um, I'd say you're wise beyond your years, but according to your kids, you're old. <laughs> well, I'm 48 this month, so I'm getting there. There you go. That's not, that's not bad. So, uh, no, I, that's really, uh, well said, and I think that's. Uh, I think a lot of people I know go with that, but uh, you know, yeah, like you said, if it gets that one person to get off the couch, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I just because there were certain things that certain people said along the way that finally got me off the couch, mm-hmm. right? Yep. 
and I think more of us need that. And, and, and there's so many people that go to the, get to the end of the end of the road, end of their life. Yeah. Uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Wish I had, wish I had. Not, not everybody. Some people are just we're perfectly content to just whatever their deal is. Yeah. But then there's a big, there's a big bunch of us that are wired a little different. <laughs> you know. Yep. And like, like to challenge ourselves, or maybe, maybe like me, put it off for a lot of years, and and things got life came around to where it would work out to get back in the bikes and I started with um, a smaller challenges there was a there was a ride down in they it's been going on for 30 some years now 36 37 37 years now it's called la b2v so it's Los Angeles Barstow to Vegas yep. it's a two-day ride it's a two-day ride across the desert basically off-road but I mean mm-hmm. there's some pavement places anyways that was my first little challenge, getting back into the man. Man, I got through that pretty easy. I've done that twice now, and I'm yeah. like, wow, okay, I can do that. And kind of worked my way up to this, and um, so. All right, so I'm going to have to inter- introduce you to my friend Greg because he's been talking about doing doing that ride for a few years. It's a lot of fun. Great people. Yeah. So. Great people. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yep, yep, absolutely. Highly, highly recommend it. And there's two different routes. You can take hard course, easy course, depends on what you're riding, so on, you know, blah, blah. So, yeah. yep, it's a good time. Absolutely. It's worth it. Well, so. cool. So, um, I even know what time it is at your house. It's 8.07. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Sometimes it's the next day when I talk to people, but... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I suppose it would be. Yeah. Some, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely we're going to have to get together and tell some stories like... That won't yeah, bore everybody. Yeah, like I, yeah, like I mess, messaged you the other day. There's definitely more things we need to talk about. Yep. And um, as we go forward, and, and yeah, uh, it, it's 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 just fun to have. I mean, when I talk to Paulette about it, she sort of gets it. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like, how come they don't finish? And I'm in, in my analogy to her, she finally got it. She did. She did a 860 kilometer run through the Pyrenees. Oh my word! Wow. And I said, "How wow. many people started that?" She said, "Oh, like 250." How many people finished? Well, there were like 75 of us. And I'm like, "Wow!" There you go. That's the way Baja is. It's just yeah, that's amazing. Seeing stuff like that just blows my mind. <laughs> um, so. that, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that's cool. So that's special is what that is. Yeah, but it's it's just always fun to talk to somebody that knows what you're talking about. You don't have to explain yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I'm fortunate that. Uh, yeah. My wife. She's into it. I mean, um, may not understand it all, but likes it. Yeah. You know. Yep. So that's that's makes it fun too. Yep. So. It is. So, but yeah. so yeah. Well, we'll do that. We'll figure something out. We'll uh, we'll close this because the last two people are okay. probably tired of listening. But you know what? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Because right. when I started this, I said it was about adventure racing and things that interest me, and you know. Well, yeah, it's your, it's your, it's your. It's my podcast. You know, I can have whoever podcast, I want on so, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you may lose some, gain some, but that's fine. Yeah, whatever. I keep thinking what I really need to do is a podcast on on off road truck racing because there's a lot more people that would listen. Maybe <laughs> I have a very loyal audience. I love it. I love when I'm out and somebody says, "Oh, I love the podcast." But I, I think I've saturated the market. So, 
Yeah. Uh, you never know. Yeah, you know, adventure racing is the corner of a niche of a small sport. But uh, yeah, I think that's sure. kind of why we love it. So. Yeah, it's, it takes a, a very passionate type person that really gets it and wants to stick with it and understands it and is willing to go to yep. the ends of the earth, which which you guys do. Yeah, it was which what you do. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. In, in the long run, I, I really, really believe it. And of course, my my subset of uh, of uh, examples is small, but. The, the two sports are not that un, un alike. Is that a word? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially the, you know, obviously some of the physical. I mean, not what we do is not physical to the extent that... Yeah, you know, no, it is. Running, running, running the biking and swimming, but yeah. you know, in, in different ways, I guess. Yeah. You know, similar yeah. and not similar, and you get beat up in different ways. Yeah, um, you do. But <laughs> the huge, uh, obviously, the mental. Yeah. I think... Now that I've been through something like this, I mean, this was my first big push. I mean, yeah, okay, sure, I've ridden long distance and done hard things in life, but you know, this was the big first big, big one for me. Yep. And <clears throat> I've always understood the mental side of sports and stuff growing up doing that and, and in life in general, but um, I think the mental side of endurance is bigger than most people give it credit for, unless you're one of those people that are actually doing it or have done it so. yes very 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 true so yeah so. yeah for sure all yeah. right well this was as much fun as i thought it would be well good i'm glad <laughs> I didn't, yeah hopefully i didn't drone on too long or talk too many circles but yeah you know what if i have ways of stopping people if i want to but <laughs> and, and quite honestly every once in a while i get somebody that it's it's really hard to get anything out of so i love it when people talk and also start drawing People, yeah. they don't want to hear me. They've heard all my stories. They want to hear your stories. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's fun to talk about. Sometimes I don't do the best in expressing the story very well, but I try. But yeah, work. You, know. you did great. Cool. All I right. Appreciate uh, appreciate you asking me, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks for the chat. All right. You bet. Take all care. right. Bye. 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 The Plaza de Toros at Tijuana lies quietly in the afternoon sun. 125 miles to the north is metropolitan Los Angeles. To the south is Ensenada, and 900 miles of virtually empty wilderness to conquer before arriving at La Paz. Here at Tijuana, where Sunday afternoon crowds come to witness the moment of truth, modern-day conquistadores prepare their conquest against the rugged obstacles of the lower California peninsula. Their weapons for survival are spare gas, spare tires, extra parts, canned food, and aerial maps. Their metal steeds are in four classes. Stock cars, dune buggies, four-wheel drive vehicles, and motorcycles. It is a race, but the course resembles a cow path designed by the devil himself. One man said the roads in general are still as they were in the year one after the creation of the world. That was written 200 years ago by a Jesuit missionary. Since then, nothing has changed very much on the road to La Paz.
place where you've never been On a path where only the devil's been Dirt and dust upon your face Broken bones, every place Thirst and hunger in your way And this is all you can really say And at midnight, the ordeal begins. The road is one peril they thought, but there's a road that they forgot. It's been there since the beginning of time. To ride this road, it will take some time. It started at a border town, and you're on your way down to a place where you've never been, on a path where only the devil's been. Never reach the 